Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. OJ Howard is still a buccaneer as the team does not pull the trigger on any trades before the deadline. More opportunities for the Bucks to not throw the ball to him this season. The Tampa Bay Lightning are not going to win the President's Cup. That's a prediction. But they lose to the New York Rangers 4-1. to Worse yet, Victor Hedman with a lower body injury leaves the game, and Pat Maroon most likely has a concussion. He was also forced to leave. And we've got Tom Jones, my former radio partner, longtime time sports columnist, now with the Pointer Institute. He's going to join us and drop names like a former Today Show star. It's Rick and Tom with a guy who put us together, Steve Versnick, on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. So I'm watching, uh, Steve, the two-hour ESPN special NFL trade deadline. <laughs> this show was captivating. Only a two-hour uh, show? I'm surprised ESPN two, uh, didn't do a 24-hour show. Well, I mean, I, they, they technically do, but, I mean, it was, it, was, <laughs> it, was, it was branded as the trade deadline show. According to my sources, there is absolutely positively no trades going to happen today. Uh, maybe one, but apparently... Nothing happened in Tampa Bay. O.J. Howard got lots of phone calls. At the end of the day, they did not make a deal. I mean, it was this. It, it, everything was like that. It was like name after name after name. You know, Trent Williams apparently not going to be traded by Washington. And so the the only the only deal that was made is the Los Angeles Rams sent a keep to leap to the Miami Dolphins with a draft pick, basically dumping salary. Miami buying a draft pick, a keep to leap. Got to be thrilled to go from the Rams to the worst team in the NFL. So this was it. This was the, the Lalone trade of the day. Um, of course, many trades have been made prior to the deadline. So the Bucks, even though there was interest, um, never got an offer, as uh, Bruce Arians would say. Price is right. The deal's real. But the price was not right, so there was no deal. And now O.J. Howard, who I'm sure probably deep down or not even that far, was – thinking, hey, it'd be cool to go to the Patriots and catch passes from Tom Brady and win a Super Bowl ring, um, is left here to not be targeted by the Bucks. Just 18 targets this year, 13 catches, and uh, so the Bucks have eight games to figure out what to do with him. Tom Brady would probably now, target him 18 times in one game. Yeah, this one, I'm thinking. Get a tight end like that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're trying to replace Rob Gronkowski. Well, here you go. But they weren't able to make it happen. I don't know what the Bucks. I, I imagine that they would have uh, probably minimum asked for a first-round pick. Don't know if they'd have got it. Obviously, they didn't get it. Uh, they did nothing. And and that's curious in that, you know, you have guys like JPP, and I don't know, maybe people might be skittish with his injury, obviously. But you also have, you know, Shaq Barrett, who is going to be a free agent. He has 10 sacks already this year. People would say, well, why Why in God's name? You know, you found Shaq Barrett. You brought him in here. One-year make-it deal, $4 million. Yeah, but that's just the thing. He's a free agent at the end of the season. He, don't have to, he, he, he gets to make the decision where he goes. So even if you were to trade him and get some compensation for him, you're still right back in the mix for him as a free agent, which, which, is, you know, which is what you're going to do anyway. Now, you might feel better about him being in your building and having success in your, your defense, and as long as you keep him there somehow, that's going to – steer him you know back to the buccaneers but i got news for you how this free agency thing works they go where they make the most money <laughs> it's very simple it doesn't matter where they play um so Shaq barrett's going to get paid whether it's here or someplace else but you know basically um even though this team is two and five and going nowhere as far as this season goes no one's really turned their attention to 2020 yet i mean they they just simply and again I'm not suggesting they should just give players away or, or, you know, be held up for robbery, and we don't know what those offers were. Um, but really nothing is going to change with respect to uh, to their personnel or, you know, trying to acquire more draft picks maybe for a um, situation where they can move up and get a quarterback next year, and we, we just don't know how this year will play out. But I was a little surprised. I, I really did think there was a chance that O.J. Howard might get dealt. Well, if you're the Bucks, I mean, you have to consider, you have to look at that 
possibility. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. two and five, we know that the chances to make the playoffs are slim. Sure. Uh, you know, and so, and you've got a coach in his first year. So you assume the coach is, isn't going anywhere. And so you've got to right. start thinking at some point, you've got to turn to think of next season. And, you know, we know Jason Light, and this is his sixth season now, you know, as the GM of the Bucks, has what, made one trade deadline deal? Yeah, he's never, I mean, he traded John, Jonathan Banks, you know, back in 2016 to the Detroit Lions for a seventh round pick. It was just they didn't want him anymore, threw him away for that. And then a month later, Banks was cut by the Lions. Um, but that's the only deal he's ever made around the trade deadline. So it's not as if he's real aggressive to begin with. And we know last year he had Deshaun Jackson begging him to be traded, and he wouldn't do it. Could have traded Gerald McCoy last year, you know, if if you felt like he wasn't the right answer for you this season. He didn't do it. And then, you know, traded Deshaun in the offseason for basically a ham sandwich. I mean, you know, we you know the Bucks took a sixth and gave back a seventh. You know, a missed opportunity there with Deshaun and probably another one or two, you know, this season. Again, we don't know what, what players, teams were asking for, or, you know, whether they were trying to hold them up for robbery and, and uh, give them nothing or next to nothing for O.J. Howard. But n- n- there is no movement towards 2020 at this point, and that's probably where their vision should be should be headed. I mean, the coach is always going to worry about playing Seattle, and, you know, it's on to Seattle, and we're just going to try to win this week, and I'm not really worried about next year. But somebody over there has has to worry about next year. Somebody else over there has to look at 2020, and at least with respect to trades, they didn't do that today. Um, and so they're standing pat, and, you know, uh, you wonder where O.J. Howard's head is at. I mean, he's been the, the target of speculation right up until, and now he has to realize that, you know, he's still got eight games left if he can come off that hamstring injury and see what he can salvage with respect to, uh, you know, playing as a, as a receiver. Um, but you know, they, they, I just feel like that, uh, and again, not knowing what people were trying to offer them, I just feel like they missed an opportunity, uh, to try to, to try to get some draft picks and, um, you know, begin to look at 2020, but we'll see what, what Bruce can do, you know, with this group the rest of the year. We also had, uh, the Tampa Bay lightning. They lose four to one, as I mentioned to the Rangers, uh, really, you know, left Andre Vasilevsky out, hung out to dry. I mean, this game was, uh, was a one, one game. For the longest time until the third period and then of course it got away from the lighting with some odd man russians and whatnot but that's not even the big headline the headline is going to be victor headman um and pat uh, headman went out with a lower body injury Patrick maroon looked like uh he might have a concussion it would be sad for headman if this was going to be anything long term because they have two more games in the, in new york or new jersey you know one with the devils and then the islanders and then they get on a plane and go to sweden and you've got to believe that Hebman's been looking for this, for, looking forward to this for some time. So you certainly hope uh, that you know by the time they they head over there, he'll have a chance to get back. You know, depending on what the severity of the injury is. But um, I'll tell you, you know, the Rangers are not a good team, <laughs> to say the least. They got a lot of young guys. A couple of guys, or one or two guys, I think, scored their first NHL goals. Uh, Andre Vasilevsky was terrific. I mean, he made a ton of saves, but. In the third period, it was just, uh, you know, just too much. And so and they gave up the mm-hmm. empty netter at the end, and it's 4-1. to one. But I don't know. How did you think they played? I mean, at times I thought they played well, but they just didn't have much to show for it. Yeah, I mean, you know, the New York coach, Quinn, called out his team after their last game. And, and they're a very young team. There's a lot of talent yeah. on there. Um, yeah. But they're young and, and called them out for inconsistent performance and, and, and not playing a 60-minute game and not bringing it every day. And they mm-hmm. responded tonight. I thought I thought the Rangers played a whale of a game, um, right? And, and the Lightning hung in there. And I, I I thought parts of the game the Lightning played very well. Um, yeah, Andre Vasilevsky was incredible. Um, he was terrific. Yeah, you know, a couple late goals and some odd man rushes, but before that was stopping everything. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but the injuries are a concern, and and not only Headman and Maroon, but Anthony Sorelli didn't play. He was scratched. Yeah, uh, with an upper body injury. He's listed as day to day now, but. John Cooper in the postgame said, unsure if it'll be a long-term injury, good chance they make a call to Syracuse to call somebody up. So Sorelli may be out a little bit. Maroon and Hedman listed as day-to-day. Braden Point was a game-time decision. Now, he played. He said in postgame that he didn't think it'd be anything that would linger. It's something that's come up in the last few days. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, you're starting to get some injuries where that's what's going to really concern you. I mean, if Sorelli and Point, those are your top two centers. If they're missing time, and, and Point did play tonight, so... Maybe he won't miss any games, but Sorelli's your number two center at this point. 
if he's out for some time. Victor Hedman's obviously your all-world defenseman if he misses some time. Yeah. Now, Cooper, yeah. after the game, said uh, unsure if Hedman will be able to play tonight against the Devils. Um, Sorelli, I'm guessing not, if he might be a long-term concern. And Patrick Maroon mm-hmm. checked out okay, Cooper said. So he might, might be able to play tonight, or they may just give him an extra night off and wait till Friday against the Islanders uh, with the back-to-back. So um, Syracuse yeah. isn't far up the road. They can make a call there and bring somebody up. So. It's a different team without Hedman, that's for sure. They don't want to lose him for any length of time. Well, look so at the playoffs last year. Yeah, you know he played totally the first. Changed. You know he played uh, what the first two games and didn't look like himself at all. Mm-hmm. And then you know, so you know, because he had that concussion or what we assume was a concussion, what a week or two prior to the playoffs, missed the last yeah. week of the season, and but he was not himself in the playoffs, and that completely changes this Lightning team. I mean, more Andre Vasilevsky is the, the biggest piece you say you can't take away and expect them to make a run to the Stanley Cup. Victor Hedman's number two. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. Kucherov had the only goal. It was kind of caught the Rangers in a you know in a line change and took advantage of that. But uh, overall, you know, kind of a tough start to this road trip. And like I said, they play New Jersey, and then uh, they also have uh, the Islanders before they get on a plane, I guess, and, and mm-hmm. head to Sweden where. You know, presumably you'd love you'd love to see Victor Hedman play right. in his home country. Well, they'll get a week in Sweden before they play, so all that body clock and all that stuff should be adjusted and changed. Um, a week, and, yeah. Holy they, cow! So they play Friday against the Islanders. They don't play in Sweden until the next Friday. <laughs> Wait a minute. When the Bucks went to England, and I know it was just one game, but they went on Friday, mm-hmm. land or they went on Thursday, landed on Friday, practiced Friday, walked through Saturday, played Sunday, and were back on a plane an hour after the game. Mm-hmm. These guys are going for a week? So they'll go Saturday night overnight, get to Sweden Sunday. Right. They're leaving from New York. They don't play till Friday. They play Friday, Saturday, back-to-back, and then Sunday they get on a plane and come back. Wow. Yeah. There's a, I mean, this, the Global Series for the NHLs, you know, they do a lot of different things over there. Um, yeah. And I was trying it's to find – I, I saw a schedule of events. But, I mean, there's tons of events all week in Sweden. I mean, this is not – this isn't like the NFL that goes to London six times a year now, and it's kind of, yeah. You know, I, I won't say it's routine. You know, routine, but it's you know getting more it and more routine. that way. I mean, this is yeah. the Global Series is you know a couple games a year, and they move it around, and so this is a big deal. Yeah, um, you know, so they've got events starting. I'm looking at the schedule here, but uh, there's some practices and that, but they have events pretty much throughout the week that they're doing from community stuff to, you know, just celebrating hockey over there and, and trying to gr- grow the game and in the NHL's presence. That's cool they're doing it, and uh, hopefully they can pick up a couple wins because, um, you know, they, they're, they're going to be on this on the road for quite some time before they return home, so they don't want to fall too far behind. I think they're still sitting here with, what, 12 points? 12 points in 11, 11 games. games, yep. Yeah, which, you know, I mean, I guess it's okay. Yeah. It's not Right now not they'd be out of the playoffs. Trip. They're two points behind Florida, uh, but they do have yeah. a game in hand on Florida, so. Yeah. I love that. If the playoffs started today, but yeah. they don't. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're 11 games into an 82-game season. so. Yeah. My theory is they want to make sure they don't win the President's Cup. That, that, that is, they're going to make sure that they, they, they get rid of that idea off, off the bat right away and then just fight their way into the playoffs. Well, as, but I, as, I think you're seeing them try to play a different game. And so there's some adjustment. I think there's two things going on. I think Strawman and Girardi not on the penalty kill. Their penalty kill has been pretty bad this year. Yes, and they were. You teams, know, yeah. they were. You know, I think tied for first last year in penalty kill. They were. The, the power play has been okay this year. It doesn't feel like it, but it actually has. If you look at the stats, um, not yeah. quite to where it was last year when they basically set a modern record at twenty eight percent or whatever. Um, yeah. But the the, penalty, the power play has been okay. The penalty kill they've taken way too many penalties and it's not been good. And I, I think right. you're seeing Girardi and Strawman not there. You're seeing. Mm-hmm. Uh, even guys like Callahan, although you know he was hurt some last year in that, but when he played, he makes a huge difference on the, the penalty kill. Um, you're just seeing a lot of adjustments in, in, in the special teams play. But five on five, I think they're playing a lot better, and, and they're they're playing more responsibly, and they're not they're transitioning from a pure run and gun team to one that that plays with a little more uh, patience and, and and responsibility and and. Sometimes that's failing them as they're they're working on that, but you can see that, you know, it really seems like since last season and what happened is they they said we've got to get better on the back end, we've got to get yeah. better, and not just the blue line, but the whole team of playing five on five responsible hockey, and they're they're figuring that out, but they're trying to figure out how do we do that and still 
be the dynamic offense that we have and use the skill position players that we have because they have you know tremendous skill players. So I, I think it's it's kind of a feeling out process. It feels like right now, but five on five, bit. they're playing better. You know, I think even then you can say it parts last season as far mm-hmm. as just five and five. The special teams has let them down a lot this year. Yeah, and, and I mean, even having said that, they it was an odd man rush uh, and, you know, sort of a breakout that created the Rangers' go-ahead goal. So mm-hmm. um, they weren't able to get back on that one. And uh, it, was, it was a nice goal. guy basically stuck his stick out there and beat uh, Vasilevsky, who was great, especially in the third period. But so it wasn't meant to be the Lightning lose, um, but – Lots of games ahead of them for sure. All right, Tom Jones joins us now from the Pointer Institute of Media Studies. That's a long way of saying he's a big shot. Um, <laughs> before we get into sports, Tom, I want to talk about the uh, Bowtie Ball yes. on Saturday and the breaking news that I just heard. You're going to interview what? Katie Couric? Katie Couric. Yeah, me and my pal Katie will be uh, hanging out Saturday <laughs> night. So, yeah, we, we actually uh, – uh, so the big, the big bow tie ball, it's a, it's a fundraiser for the Pointer Institute. And we honor, um, uh, we honor a couple, we honor a couple of people Saturday night for sort of their lifetime achievement in journalism. Katie Kirk's going to be one. And then Norm Perlstein, who's the, uh, executive editor of the LA times will be there as well. But, um, yeah, so I'm volunteering, um, at this event as well and and i'm 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 gonna have a chance to talk to katie kirk ahead of time but we got our volunteer assignments and and i'm katie kirk's handler for the uh for the <laughs> oh event. are you now yeah so i get to <laughs> so i have to so she if I, she needs what, water what does a handler do yeah she needs water you know if she needs <laughs> yeah. a tea if there's maybe somebody a wine annoying maybe that a glass of be, wine yeah somebody yeah. needs somebody's you know, like in her face it's like all right thanks a lot okay we'll move you over you know so wow so i'll either it would be the, like one of the coolest nights of my life, or it'll be one of the worst because I'll get fired <laughs> after about ten minutes. You know? now, do, first, couple things. One, do you own a bow tie, or I, is this? I, a, you know what? I do not. I have to go out tonight and buy one. So, and I, I assume this will be. I mean, I've never tied one, so I can't begin to know how to do that. But I don't know. But apparently, we have people there who do know. But anyway, well, that's impressive. Um, have you never uh, worn it all, of all the events you go to? You go and you go to way more of these things than I do. Well, that's you not go, true. I no, have never, I have never handled Katie Curley. No, Curry, but you go you with with you, you go to a lot of big shot events. Way more than I've ever. We used to talk about this on the radio all the time. I you used to drop names. Going. Now you're, I'm picking them up for you. I don't, I don't know what happened. <laughs> but you go to these events. You, you've worn more tuxedos than I've worn in my life. You've worn, and I, I would really assume that you have worn a bow tie at some point. Uh, you know what? I don't know that I've worn a bow tie since uh, my prom, which okay. is many years ago. Right. Um, well, I've worn, I believe, I've worn I black the tie. Now, is, you know, black tie. I've done yeah, that. But right. Not, well, black tie yeah. very often is bow tie, but. Um, yeah, I don't. Um, maybe a wedding. Yeah, I, pr- I probably have in a wedding or so, but not. I haven't been to those. I, look, I don't. I don't. I'm not on your dance card. This is, this is Katie Couric. This is impressive, and and I'm I'm wondering now, are you going to get a chance to? You said you interviewed her. I will interview right? her before the program, but during the actual during the program. You, this isn't like the sit down with Tom Jones, you know, like that's become. No, she'll she'll be interviewed. I believe Kelly McBride, who's vice president of Pointer, is going to interview her, and I think Neil Brown, the president of Pointer, will interview Norm Perlstein. I think that's what the what got the plan it. Okay, is, yeah. so now when you were On talking stage, to her, yeah. did uh, did the Sarah Palin interview come up at all? Uh, well, I will talk to her. I'm going to talk to her Saturday. I, it may come up. Um, uh, yeah. So, um, that, you know, that was just the, we just had the anniversary of that, um, not too long mm-hmm. ago. Right. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's still one of the more famous, famous moments of Katie Kirk's career, I would think. Her um, career. I mean, it's, it's astounding, you know, all those years, of course, on the Today Show and America's Sweetheart and all that stuff. And then, um, she gets an opportunity as the, really the first female anchor, I guess, for the uh, solo, CBS News. Yeah, first right? solo, solo female anchor. Yeah. Right. I think, uh, I might, I think Diane Sawyer might've shared duties with somebody at one point. Right. Now yeah. I'm curious, she switched networks, but I'm curious, like, why, why do you think that didn't work out for her? You know what, what, what? It's a good question, Rick. And it's something that I'm, um, she's talked about a little bit is I, I don't know. I think it was, she had, a, I think and I, I'll say this for her because I think this is what she was hitting at. I think there were there were areas that she wanted to go and wanted to take the broadcast that CBS didn't. I mean, there was a time where I remember reading this just recently. She wanted to be on the air when social media, when Twitter really first became a thing. Mm-hmm. She wanted to take Twitter questions on the air. So let's talk to viewers on the air. Let's get their Twitter questions. 
And people are like, we don't do that on the evening news. What do you, you oh. know? So she was, in a lot of ways, she was ahead of the time. Like she has, yeah. you know, she went and started, she went to the Yahoo and started her own thing there. And she has her own podcast. I mean, she's everywhere now, really. But it's, um, I think she had a lot of ideas that were different outside the box. And, and some of the old suits at, at evening news, you know, we were going to do way things, you know, we, when, when, when Dan Rather was here, you know, times have changed. It's, it's interesting now, like I look at the evening news numbers and, they're not anywhere near when we were, you know, when we were growing up. Right. Rick, that oh, was yeah, the yeah. thing, man. Our dads yeah, you know, sure. sat down and Three networks and, and yeah. you watched the evening news, yeah. That's true. So, And now, obviously, there's news 24 hours a day, and you can turn on sure. CNN and Fox News and MSNBC and get news all night. But um, but back then, that was like, evening news was a really big deal. Not so much. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still, I think, you know, they still have several million people a night, but not not what it was when we were young. Right. No, you're right. That was the news source. And boy, wouldn't you wonder, don't you wonder what she thinks of Matt Lauer right about now? Well, we won't find out either because I think that's one topic. That <laughs> it's we're, one that's off the, we're, we're not off the books. Off the table. Yeah, understood. Yeah, but it's, wow. Uh, yeah, that's, and that's become, boy, NBC's in a mess over that right mm-hmm. now. They got, that's turned into a much bigger story than they thought it would here all these years later. Yeah. We don't live in glass houses, I guess, mm-hmm. is the. Uh, that's true. There's a lesson there. All right, let's talk sports because that's what me and you do best. Uh, well, may not be what we do best, but we, we do dinner best we do. probably. Yeah, I think it's yeah. what we do best. But it's what we do best. So the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are 2-5. and five, And uh, Bruce Arians, you know, for all the pomp and, and uh, little circumstance that we've had so far in this 2019 season, just really hasn't connected um, or hasn't uh, had the same success he had both in Indianapolis and Arizona, which was instant success in turning those teams around. Uh, from your perch there at 30,000 feet, uh, <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you see um, that is, uh, that, that's preventing maybe the Bucks, or is it from doing something, or is it the same old story where you've got a quarterback for whatever reason, even though he supports him, um, it just continues to turn the ball over too much. There it is. That's it right there. And I'm, uh, Rick. I'm fascinated by the past seventy-two hours, and I'm I'm really curious to get your take on it a little bit more as well. Is that there's, it's suddenly it's turned into this narrative of whether, and you can see it in town. You're like, I'm just watching Twitter in yeah. between getting my, ready for my Katie Couric interview. I'm looking at watching Twitter and I'm seeing half the people in town. When I say people, I mean media types and fans and, you know, dedicated fans of the team who either completely support Jameis or completely say that, you know, he's not to blame for any of this. And obviously Bruce Arians comments after the game on Sunday that none of this is on Jay, none of the interceptions are Jameis's fault. And, Although we may talk about Sunday, and we can go round and round on what happened Sunday, and sure. I, and I, let me let me say this, a lot of time I agree. Sometimes we don't know what we don't know. So if mm-hmm. guys are breaking off routes, or if guys are running the wrong routes, or there was there was a miscommunication, we don't always know that. You know, we sure. have to rely on the team to tell yeah. us here's what happened. Mm-hmm. And it may be a very it very well may be a case where guys were breaking off routes the other day, and none of that right. was Jameis' fault. Although I'm telling you what, I watched the Chris Godwin. Uh, I don't know how he climbs the ladder and catches no that, way. even there's if he's no in way. the right spot. Yeah. That's, there's no way that's, that, that's not That's a poor throw, in my opinion, yeah. Yeah. But let, let's say I'll give you that one. I'll sure. give you that one. I'll give you. Okay, give him the two picks. Yeah. yeah. What about the other 68 that he's thrown in his career? <laughs> They're not well, all broken off routes. Every, inter- not- every interception has a story. <laughs> exactly. And I think the thing that's so maddening about it, and I get this this push and pull with Jameis, because here's the problem, Rick. When you watch Jameis, it's not like you're watching Mitch Trubisky out there. No. You know, he, has, not like he has ability. Yeah, He has ability. It's not like like you. I was watching the, the Steelers and the Dolphins the other night. Ugh. That was the worst football game I've ever seen. And – and Mason Rudolph for the Steelers, like you had the the hand up like with decent numbers, but he could, you know, he throws the ball three yards, you know. Mm-hmm. And you look at it and say you can't win with that. You look at Jameis, you never say you can't win with that, you know, because right. he, there are plays where he makes where it's like, wow, what a play. Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. he has those moments, and I, there's nothing wrong with admitting that sometimes he makes stupid boneheaded plays. And I think that's the that's this is where we're really getting into it now, Rick. They got to make a decision here eventually. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, I don't I, forget about Sunday. This is a con, this is a conversation every week we have with this guy. Oh, he right. looked really good, except for that two interceptions, you know. So, I think that's that's where it starts. They obviously they have other issues as well. But look, two, you are what you say. You are what your record is, right? They're two and five. 
They yeah. just, they just are. And it's not like this two and five comes after a streak of like eleven and three. They're right. Always you take any seven games, seven games. <laughs> always they're two and three five. and four, two right. and five. Yeah. yeah. And they're always about five and eleven or six and ten. So I mean, that's what that's did how you, you make of the whole like Bruce Arians sort of. Calling call out everybody except for Jameis. I mean, is this is this does he believe well, that or is he protecting his quarterback? Well, yes, he is protecting his quarterback. Um, and he started. You know, look, this whole conversation, this whole BA creation um, and hiring was going to be, and this whole season was going to be a referendum on the quarterback. I mean, you know, they could have hired any number of coaches. They took a guy out of retirement. Um, you know, gave him forty-two staff members and and. Uh, um, a sports science department, everything else he wanted, um, because he's the quarterback whisperer, because he's known Jameis since he was 16 years old or 15 years old, and because he believed in the quarterback and he didn't want him looking over his shoulder, so he didn't have a backup, and 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 and. And so it's not a surprise that Arians is in his corner. Um, what might be a, a bigger surprise is that he hasn't really resonated with the rest of the team um, in in a sense that. You know, I look at this football team and, you know, say what you want about Jameis, and, and, and we have for five years now, um, a couple things about that. One, what other quarterback never has a receiver run a bad route? What other quarterback right. had, doesn't have protection problems? I mean, I don't – you know, when they give the stats of Russell Wilson and he's got 17 touchdowns and one interception, I'm going to guess there were a few times when, when guys ran bad routes. I'm going to guess there were some times when he got pressure. Right. Okay. So not that not that Jameis is an MVP candidate or needs to be, but every other quarterback is measured the same way. And all I know is that he has the most turnovers in the league since 2015, and it's not close. So when you look at it in those contexts, I mean, apples to apples, right? Now, has he played for a crappy football team, and when you're the number one pick, you go to the worst team? And Yeah, but they've also spent a ton of assets on that side of the ball. I mean, right now – He's got two receivers that are the best tandem in the, in the NFL. I mean, That's, they're Reggie I'm Wayne and Marvin Harrison right now. I'm glad you brought that up, Rick, because you got two receivers who every time I turn around, and I agree, but every time I turn around, it's here, I hear about how great these guys are. You could make an argument they're the two best football players on the team. One, one certainly is, Mike, Mike Evans. Sure, sure. So I don't, I don't know how they're that great, and they keep running wrong routes. I don't know. You know. Well, I mean, it, I guess, I mean, Godwin, by all – I mean, even his own admission didn't didn't play extremely well. But a lot of this is a new offense. A lot of it is, you know, the ball's in the air. You got to be where you're supposed to be. Um, their timing, their precision routes. He's not going to hold on to the ball because, frankly, they can bring more guys and they can block. Right. Um, so, so all of this is a process, right? I mean, it's just it's kind of like you know, two steps back to hopefully get three steps forward, but it's not coming together fast enough. Um, you know, but but the other part of this is. We're almost halfway through a season, and we're seeing snaps that go off a player's face mask. We're seeing, you know, the basic stuff, right, to start yeah, a play. Guy, guys so we're seeing, we're seeing a back. Keystone Cops collision <laughs> with a wide receiver, which, oh, by the way, we found out it didn't work in practice either, right? They had the same kind of mistakes and then, and then corrected it, but, you know, Arians then admits – which I love Bruce about this because he, you know, you know, he takes the sodium pentothal after every Monday um, film session, and then goes in there and is very honest with us. And he says, you know, it didn't work in practice. I probably should just should have just vetoed that play, you know. And so, but when you see stuff like that, it's like if you can't take care of the little things, right? If if Carlton Davis lines up wrong, you know, on the goal line, and then the guy runs a simple little in route, and he's five yards deep in the end zone, and it's a touchdown what's happening? You know, what, what, what are the coaching points there? Right. You know? So it, it, it there is a, there is not a, and even Arians has said this, he goes, I don't understand why I can't reach these guys, you know? And, um, and I don't know either. Um, you know, they have a good coaching staff. They don't have great players, especially on defense. They're young in the back end, but you know, it, it again, like, you you got to be 99.9% on snaps to the quarterback. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't right. – balls can't bounce off a guy's face mask and then they score a touchdown. Like when you do that in the NFL, that's not professional football. You do that for the East Lake Eagles Youth League, you know, right. the 8 to 10-year-olds. Mm -hmm. Like yeah, that's right. what you see with the bobbleheads out there. You're not supposed to see that in the NFL, right? How often do you see it? Um, well, I'm, I'm I'm with you. Yeah, what you just said a moment ago, Rick, that every quarterback has receivers that run wrong routes. Sure, every, every quarterback has 
protection problems. And I'm not saying that every one of the I think he's I think it's 70. I think that's how many interceptions he's thrown out. I may be off thereabouts, here. yeah. Um, I'm not saying everyone's Jameis Winston's fault, but right. I'm not also going to say that everyone's a receiver's fault or everyone's a, a uh, bad protection. Okay. No, obviously. And then there are other throws, too, like on Sunday. If you go back and look, he was lucky they weren't intercepted, and they were totally on him. Right. We saw exactly. another screen pass like we saw against the 49ers that was dropped. Now, I also get this idea, Rick, is that, well, okay, moving forward, because this is now, as you said, this whole season's always been – about a referendum on no James. question. And ever since Sunday's game, you can see the line drawn, and you got people on the left side going, mm. you know, pro Jameis, and people on the right side saying con Jameis. And they're either way, uh, they're going to have to some, they're going to have to come to agreement. But I, I get it for now. Like, if you start over, it's it it may not look good. I you know again, I'm watching guys around the league, and you're lucky if you can get a quarterback. Like like the Colts almost had their season pulled out from under them. You know, when Andrew mm-hmm. Luck quit right before the season. And Jacoby right. Brissett has played pretty well. You know, right. I think there are other reasons why they're winning football games. But, I mean, I, you know, let's give Jacoby Brissett some some credit here. Um, oh, no. I mean, look, they signed that kid to a, what, $30 million contract. They, right. knew, they knew what they had in him. But, but I'm looking around the league, Rick, and, like, Denver doesn't have a quarterback, you know, with Joe Flacco. No. And Chicago's struggling with Mitch Trubisky. And, uh, yeah, do you want Andy Dalton in Cincinnati? Do you yeah, want well, – Washington you know, has – they drafted a guy, Haskins, and then right. play him and now bench him, and they don't know he can't what they're – he played one year of college football. He's not ready to play. Right. So, I mean – Unless you unless you just hit it lucky and 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 we still don't know about guys like uh, you know like Murray out in Arizona and um, and Daniel Smith or Daniel Jones with uh, with the Giants. The Giants. Well, you know, it's, it's still up in the air. So I get this hesitancy to, to say okay we got to move on from Jameis because you don't know what move else on there to is. what is what you're saying. Right. I mean we can we can play like try to go after Teddy Bridgewater in the off season or something like perhaps. Like, I, you know, maybe, maybe, but, but I also know this, that can't be the reason why we just continue to make mis- uh, excuses for Jameis Winston. And, and I, 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 again, I think it all comes back to this part of, he's not horrible. It's, he's not the worst quarterback on a, in the league. He's a no. middle of the road quarterback who sometimes plays really great. And then only makes maybe three or four really bad mistakes a game, but for whatever reason, those bad mistakes always turned into points for the other team, and there's a difference in games. Yeah, and it's it's. But here, here's what I you know. And I, and hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I started this season saying, oh, he's definitely here for two years at least because Bruce Arians at 67 now didn't come here to, to, to begin with, you know, Jalen Hurts as his, you right. know, as his, as his quarterback next year. Um, so, you know, I, I think that I, I, I don't know that that's going to be the case anymore, and here's why. Really? Wow. Well, and, and I'm not. This is not. You know, I'm not ready to write this, or I'm not yeah, declaring yeah, just, this. Yeah, just, this is just yeah. me musing with you, sure. on, like we did on the radio all those years, but uh, on this podcast. But I would, I would say this: if Jameis Winston were available today, he's a free agent. Season's over. Okay. Right. He's a free agent. I have two questions for you: How many teams want to sign him, and how much money? More importantly, how much money does he get? In other words, is anybody handing him $25 million? I, can't, I cannot see it. It's impossible, be, right, to think that, right? You'd have to be desperate. I mean, maybe may a team like Washington would be desperate to pay him all kind of money. So he, you think he, I mean, just I mean, is it possible he could get $25 million? Uh, I'd have a hard time giving him that. Which is franchise money, right? Because he right. makes $21 million now and to, for the Bucks to keep him. So th- that's the price tag, by the way. That I believe, now it's not absolute, but I believe that's the price tag that James that they would have to. I think they'd have to franchise him in order to have him back next year. Now it's possible Jameis could say, you know what, 
I don't want to go anywhere. I believe in Bruce. I like what we got going here. I'll take less money right. than the franchise tag and do like a two-year deal for, I don't know, you know, $40 million. I mean, that that's always possible. But my thing is, is he going – yeah, you mentioned Washington. But you know what? All those teams that don't have quarterbacks, they're all going to be drafting really, yeah. really high. Sure. Miami's going to probably draft one. Washington's going to probably get a draft Sure, one. right. Denver's exactly. going to look to draft Maybe Denver, maybe Cincinnati. That doesn't Cincinnati's have a good record. Maybe they move yeah. on from Dalton. Okay. So now you're looking in those situations of those teams that don't have quarterbacks, they're looking for a bridge guy. They're looking for a guy to come in and start until my, my young kid is ready. Right. And more and more, those young guys are playing game one, week one. Absolutely. Right? So I'm just wondering, like, you know, how many teams say, Jameis Winston, yeah, we're interested, but then to what degree? Are you going to pay him $25 million? Because if no one else is going to pay him $25 million, do the Bucks need to pay him that much money? Is he right. worth that to the Bucks? Are they going to be so far – out of market value for Jameis Winston that they're just going to hand him over the, the franchise tag? No, it's a good point, Rick. And it's it's we used to what we talk about with like former Bucks coaches. Like when a Bucks coach yeah. gets fired, what are, what's their value? Did they end up being a head coach somewhere else, or do they go right be a coordinator somewhere? Around here, that never happens. <laughs> right. Well, very, right. So, John no, I think that's a good point. Is is we're, we're how good is a quarterback? Look around the league. Who else would take the guy? You know, and. Right. I, I don't know. I, I know I've said this a couple of times. I just keep coming around to this fact, Rick. The reason he is so madding and the reason these conversations are so difficult, you just wish he would just be horrible. You know, it's I, I can watch. I'm telling you. <laughs> wait I'm a minute. Could I, you no, just no, wish that he would be great? Either that or just be great. I mean, you, <laughs> I mean, want, wait, you, you look would, at Mitch You went Trubisky. straight to horrible. You, you watch Mitch Trubisky. Like, if I'm a Chicago Bears fan, I'm oh. telling you, I'm looking at that guy and I'm saying, no, that ain't working. It's never going to work. That oh, guy you know what play. you're saying if you're a Bears fan? You're saying Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Yeah. What? Yeah. We you took just, this guy what over those at, two? Yeah, you took him what? Set, you moved up to take him second Number overall? two? And he played one year at North. He played 13 games at North Carolina in his entire life? And I'm watching. I'm like, I got no chance. I have no chance with that guy. And no. I get why, like, Nagy is saying, like, we got to stick with him. You can't, you can't turn away well, from him now. It's the investment to, in the in – the, Right. Yeah. Um, but but – it's a, but like I said, Jameis is not like that. I never no. sit down and watch Jameis and just go. We, we have, have no chance. There's right. no chance today. They have no chance of winning the football. Yeah, he makes plays all over the field. He makes, does make plays. And I'm telling. And when, and there will be games, and you, you'll see plenty of games. Look, they're in every game. And now I will also say this: every team is in every game. It's I tell you, it's, it's amazing. You watch that Red Zone Channel. Oh, it's I, great, isn't it? It is. It's the greatest thing ever. It doesn't I, matter what the score is. It's coming down to. It's you coming down stop to, somebody, or you got to go down and score. It's coming down to one possession. That's right. Every mm -hmm. game comes down to one possession. But I look at the Bucks and look, they're they're two and five. Um, they got ten get what six, uh, nine games left. They'll be mm -hmm. in all of them. They'll be in most of them. Yeah, you know, there might yeah, be they one might have game a clunker in there somewhere. Yeah, but other than that, and they'll win a few of them. They'll beat somebody good. I, I would not be. If you point to any game on their schedule, what they got Seattle, Seattle next, I would not be totally stunned if they won in Seattle. Really? And I would not be stunned if they won because Jameis throws for 400 yards. You know. Well, look, I was stunned when they beat the Rams in L.A. Now, it turns out the Rams aren't quite the Rams of last year. But nonetheless, I would have never predicted they'd go out there and, and win and score 55. But uh, I remember, Rick, the, the, there was a few years ago when we covered this team when they were 9-7 and seven and they went into places like Kansas City. And yeah, they went into, yeah they, we didn't see that. Yeah. Right, and, and – uh, they they remember they had the big Sunday night game against Dallas and they had a chance to win that game as well. Right. I right. mean, I, I'm not saying he's a horrible quarterback. I'm just saying that I don't know that you. I, 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 he says every minute of the reason why they're two and five is anybody else. And to, and to sit there and say it's not his fault, it's not him, it's not on him. I just think you're fooling yourself. Well, he's the only guy that touches the ball, and he's the only constant in the five years of losing is the quarterback. Right. I mean. Right. And and I know you know there are plenty of people that 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 think that it's it's an obsession about blaming Jameis and um and and the quarterback you know it's inherent in the position that's why they pay you twenty one million dollars so you can take the slings and arrows um and and I think Jameis above all everyone else you know knows that but it just you know nothing has changed let me ask you this and it's going to be up to the Glazers ultimately but. Could there be, as there is with every quarterback that's here this long and never makes it to a second contract, Jameis fatigue? It's a little like politics, right? I mean, if the president oh, yeah. doesn't isn't reelected, it's not because his economy is not working. It's going to be because people are tired of it. Does the fan know, base get tired to, of it? It's interesting that you bring up politics. 
in this and that I because I think what happens sometimes is, is two things can happen. One is you do get tired of it. You get tired of hearing the same stories in the same news cycle. And you say, you know, right. let's just let's just get away from this, that we have a culture here that's just it's it's not making anybody happy. And let's move on. Or or you could get and say, well, I don't like anybody else. At least we know what we got with this. That's we true. Can, and that's let's very, work with what that, we have. And, and that you know? can happen in politics as well. Exactly. Like because who's a lot better, of guys get reelected know? when we just because we yeah. look around and go, well, at least we I know like what their this candidates. Guy's. Yeah. So what you're saying is, is that Elizabeth Warren and Joe Biden are unelectable. How did we morph into this thing? I mean, it could it could be. I but don't that, know. look, there's concerns about that. Yeah, exactly. And you might look at it and say, well, Trump. You know, what I'm other country is hiring Joe Biden, Biden, or Elizabeth Warren to run? The, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the, the parallel yeah, we stops can carry this. We could go all day with this. No, but <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. I, I do Ukraine. think Ukraine. I do. I got to go. Thanks. I'll see you soon. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. Um, Drive safely. I, I think that uh, I think you have a point there, Rick. There could come to a time where you just say, "Look, we have a culture here, rightly or wrong, we have a culture here that we need to move on from." And maybe Jameis is a big part of that culture, in terms of it's the same narrative, it's the same stories. Let's and we How need about to start this? fresh. Uh, or how you about, may look around and say, "Well, there's nobody else out there." So uh, yeah, I think they could say that. But how about this? Say they're a little apprehensive about franchising them, but would it surprise you? If you learn tomorrow, and I'm not saying this is true, that Jameis Winston wants out of Tampa, but he's tired of it. He wants to go someplace else. You know him better, better than me, Rick. I think if uh, my gut tells me that he he wants to stick it out here because he so badly wants to prove that he is mm-hmm. everything that that he believes he is and everything. Right, right. Uh, but I think what I think it'd be good for him to go out of town. And could play for somebody else. I think it might be. I think mm-hmm. if I were him, maybe it it might. I think the perfect scenario for Jameis Winston is to leave here and go back up somebody, back up a Drew Brees, go back up a. Um, yeah, I don't think he. I don't think he's that mentality. I know, though. I know, but I'm just saying what would what would be best for him. Like if I could script it for him, is to go somewhere where he backs up somebody and then ultimately plays, and then mm-hmm. be, becomes you know. The guy who 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 you know, becomes Lou Gehrig, you know, he steps in and replaces yeah. somebody and becomes the star, a star. So, um, you know, what the I, but Bucks I, I are... think I think he'll I think he wants to stay, don't you? You know him better than way better than mm-hmm. I. Do. I think a part of him would want to prove it. Yeah, I think a lot of it when he wants to do it where he was drafted and and uh, prove to everybody that that he could get it done and and be the exception. You know, not 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 like every other quarterback here that has never made it to a full second year second contract. But I also I also think that that he doesn't like wouldn't mind you know look I think I think Gerald McCoy proved that there is life after the Bucks for this particular group of players in that locker room. I sense that you know like it was rare like it was talking to OJ Howard and as we do this podcast we don't know if OJ Howard's still a Buck or not so you know spoiler alert nobody seems that upset if they got traded you know. Not that everybody's knocking on the door. I mean, other than Deshaun Jackson a year ago begging to be traded, but um, they're two the, and five. They're two I know. and five. They're two and, they're two and five, and they, and they, and they the haven't made the playoffs since... in twelve years. This will yeah. be the twelfth straight season. I mean, only the Browns, which we know. Thank God for the Browns. Uh, if you're a Bucks fan, they will continue their playoffless streak, and I would think Freddie Kitchens will be fired. But um, here's what the Bucks are worried about: they don't want the entire narrative to be about the quarterback. The reason why Bruce Arians, as much as he's got his guys back, which is Jameis's in this case, he doesn't want the rest of the team saying, well, we lose because look who's playing quarterback. Right. He's a turnover machine. He's a turnover machine. We can't win with this guy. You know, it's not me. It's him. Right? Right. As soon as your players start doing that, now you've lost the ball club. Now nobody's – now no one's really looking in the mirror and trying to do the best job they can do. They're all just pointing fingers and saying, well, we lose because we've always lost with this guy. That's why Bruce Arians is is in everybody's face about running routes. And and it serves a purpose of, of obviously giving confidence to Jameis, which is why he's here in the first place. Right. Well, I just think they're at a point right now, Rick, where they – you know, I I would I would I would have been sellers at the at the uh, deadline. Oh, um, me too. Me too. I've said five. it. 
two and five. They're not going anywhere this year. I think you have to start looking. You've got to look at twenty twenty, right? You have to look at twenty twenty. The thing is, I'm not I'm not super optimistic about twenty twenty either. And that's the that's the thing. You know, like you could look around and so yeah, you, there's a you understand like Miami's horrible. Oh my gosh, that's the worst football team yeah. I've ever seen. But they have a plan. You know, well, they got um, five number. Well, they got five number one picks in the next two years right. and a bunch of second rounders. But now, are you going to you know? Do you trust the person who's picking the players? I mean, this is what it always comes down to. You know, the currency in the NFL to get better is draft picks. Right. But who's and, who's who's choosing the players with those draft picks? Well, there. Yeah, that's the other <laughs> big thing too. Exactly. But I mean, yeah. you can look at like Arizona. Arizona, they're a five hundred team, just about. Uh, and yep. you can see their plan. You know, they're yep. going to build you around Kyler Murray. Yep. You know, I think they got a decent – turns out their coach can coach a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see the plan there. Um, you know, New so York Giants, you know Daniel Jones is going to be okay and they're going to continue what, to build, build to, around him. But then you also and, – and even Cleveland, as bad as – you know, Cleveland's at least trying to put the pieces together. I think we overhyped them to start the season. But the problem with the Bucks, Rick, is I'm not, I'm not, I'm not exactly sold on what the plan is necessarily. I think they think they should be better than they are. Like they're two and five, and they're, and they're stunned that they're two and five. They like are. They're a lot of, and, and maybe Cleveland is too, but there are a lot of teams out there. I'm not surprised that anybody is the record they are. You know, right. I'm not sur- right. surprised that that teams. You're not surprised are, the Patriots are undefeated. You're not surprised. I'm not surprised. <laughs> no, and or a team like say a team like Pittsburgh, which is now three and four. I don't yeah. think they'd be all that much better with Ben Roethlisberger. I really don't. Uh, I, think a, I disagree with they're that. They're a 500 team. They're a nine, at best, nine nine win team. Well, they've kind of the, been in that area before. So, well, it, but I mean that's the thing. Like Philadelphia, Philadelphia deserves to be four and four right now, or whatever they, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I look at the Bucks and I'm like, are they two and five? Because they, you know, I think they deserve to be two and five. But everybody's walking around stunned. Like they're not five and two. Like, well, if we got if we didn't get screwed by the refs in this game, and if that guy hadn't run, what'd the wrong you make of that? that Let me ask you that. Would you make of Bruce Arians in his first comments after looking at that film and knowing that they made the mistakes they made, but then just saying, you know what, we win that game if that official doesn't blow that whistle, and and uh, I'm going to take my twenty thousand dollar fine and blast these guys right off the bat. He's not wrong. I don't believe he's wrong. I mean, he's right. That was the he's right was about the bad, call. It was he was yeah. right. It was a bad call, and it may it may have cost him a game. Yep. And I can understand the frustration by it, but I, I tell you at the same time, Rick, it's it's um, I I, th- I think I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have wasted my time on it. Like I, I think you're giving your team an excuse as or your money. Well, yeah, but I think yeah. you, I think at the same time I think you're it's almost like you're telling your team. It's not your fault. Like, you deserve to win that game, and you didn't. Well, you didn't totally deserve to win that game. You made a lot of dumb mistakes. Sure. And I, and I think it's sort of – now, look, he, he knows psychology. He knows that locker room better than I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe he feels like now's not the time to beat him up. Maybe it's the John Tortorella shut your yap, you know. That famous speech came I'll tell you why. I, I'll tell you why I think, game, you know. I'll and, tell you why I also think he's doing it. I think he's reminding the NFL that the Bucks are in the NFL. Mm-hmm. This is a franchise that got given you know, that got given. Listen to me, I do words for a living. This is a franchise that was handed one of the most brutal travel schedules I've ever seen, and I'm living it. So trust me, it's brutal. Um, seven weeks without playing a game in your home stadium. Yeah, they don't do that to the Patriots, do they? They no. don't do that. They no. don't do that. They don't do that to the L.A. Rams or to the to the you know you know name a team right New Orleans Saints. They don't do that. But when you're when you're the Buccaneers, and you haven't won for a long time, you get the worst officiating crews. They rank these guys. They're they're not they're not working the, the Rams Carolina or the 49ers Carolina games. The crew that was here Sunday, or that was in uh, Nashville Sunday, they're not getting the marquee games. No. Okay. Just like announcers, you know the broadcast business, right, Tom? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. They're not. Yeah. I don't have. Who's calling? Who's calling Bucks Titans? Who's calling Bucks? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's Matt Millen. God bless him, coming off a heart transplant. Yeah, he's their number five guy now, or whatever. Right. Yeah. So he's down the toilet. It was funny. I was watching Red Zone the other day, Mm -hmm. and uh, obviously, when teams get into Red Zone, they go to that game. But when there's no one in the Red Zone, they just flip around to whatever. They were going 20 minutes without showing the Bucks. Like, 
I oh, feel, sure. like at one point I'm like, are, are the Bucks going to light? Are the they way? still I turned playing? Over, <laughs> I turned over to back over to the CBS broadcast. No, you're absolutely right. Although I'll tell you that I'll tell you what, Rick. First off, they're not the only team that gets screwed. I mean, like the Saints had the similar type play happen to them earlier they, this year. They did, um, but not not because the crew was was notably bad. But the refereeing is is a whole subject unto himself. Oh my gosh, it's the worst I've ever seen. It. That that game last night, the Steelers. Dolphin, or uh, Monday night, the Steelers-Dolphins game was almost unwatchable at times because of the penalties that weren't even penalties. Like, yeah. it's it's because. But I understand what you're saying. There comes a t- there comes a point. I where, think he's just putting his foot down, saying, "Hey, wait a minute. You know, we're in the league too, and you just can't, you know, make these mistakes. And because it's us, no one gives a damn. We're going to yeah. say something, right? So I assume that's what he's doing." Anyway, let's uh, let's talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning, Tommy, because uh, you're my big hockey go-to guy uh, on things like this. What am I watching? Uh, and I know they, as we do this podcast, they have a game tonight. But uh, in their first ten games, at least, I'm not. I mean, I I guess like I read and I see that they're better five on five, but they're taking a ton of penalties. Uh, their special teams aren't very good. I mean. Is this just was this to be expected? This transition because every year is different, and you got some new players, or um, are they just not as good as we thought they were right now? Um, I think a couple of things are going on here. First off, it's it's ten games. It's it literally like the NFL season. It would it's be the quarter, equivalent of the Bucks quarter, being right? one and one right now. You know, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. It's not like they're it's not like they're one nine and one. I mean, they're right. they're five three and two. So they are going into Tuesday night's game against the Rangers. They were they had they had a winning record basically. Um, and picked up points in in eight of their eleven games, you know, um, or eight of their ten games. Um, no, eight of eleven, right? Um, but here's the thing: um, when I when I look at this team, I, I still think there's a hangover, Rick, from what happened last year. I, I still think they're shell shocked. I really do believe it. I you could sit there and talk about about last season and how how last season is last season and this year's a new year and they brought in new guys and we're focused on this year and we're worried about 2019-2020. I'm telling you that was such an epic collapse in the playoffs. I and we all said it. It's going to linger and I believe it's lingering. I think it's going to linger until about Christmas. I think you're going to see this team play very similarly uh to what we've seen the first 10 10 games of the season or so here. I uh, I think this is a team that um is still finding its way. I still think they're they're trying to convince themselves they're they're a really good hockey team, and I think they will eventually. They're still a playoff team. Don't get me wrong, I, but I don't think they're going to run away with things like they did a year ago. I I just I think this is all mental right now. Clearly, they have players, good players. This mm-hmm. is essentially the same team that won sixty two games last year, and has gone to and and a lot of the your core is, you know, the same team that's gone to the Eastern Conference Final. Uh, who went through the Eastern Conference Final three out of four years there? So they're really good, but I'm telling you, Rick, this this it's lingering. I'm t- I be- I truly believe that last year's playoffs are still hanging over this team. This is gonna sound weird, but is there a part of them that likes that they just didn't start out on fire because I, all the talk would it be? It doesn't sound weird. You're I, you're I so great. It, yeah. You know what? You guys are so great. You're just going straight to the Stanley Cup, and <gasps> we heard that last year. I don't want a record. I don't want the President's Trophy. Let's make sure we don't win the damn President's Cup. Then we'll make our push. I think it's a great point, Rick. I don't think they're purposely going out like, okay, okay, boys, let's get out playing. We're going to throw this one. But I do think there is – I don't think they mind. I really don't. And here's the thing that I think you have to be a little somewhat um, optimistic about is they've played well against good teams. Like they've – you know, Pittsburgh's a pretty decent team. They played well against Pittsburgh. They played well against the Maple Leafs. They played well against the Bruins. So they've had games where they've played some really good teams and they've performed well. It's odd. They've lost a couple of games to teams. Like, they lost to Ottawa, who is awful. Um, I think they lost the game to – oh, the Panthers have a pretty good record. and they've lost. But overall, I, th- I thought they've played okay against – you know, pretty some pretty decent teams. Um, the Nashville game, they played well in that game. So, um, yeah. I think they're going to be fine. Um, it's funny though, boy. This area though, I mean, I've never seen a, a hockey community that gets so consumed by shots on goal. You know, <laughs> they're t- like well, I think yeah. I think they'd almost rather see the the lightning out shoot everybody fifty to ten, even if it meant they lost one nothing. Well, every part night. of the problem you got Phil Esposito who says, you know. <laughs> 
Shut the puck up. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I think they're going to be fine. But I, at the same time, I do think you're going to see, continue to see this team sort of, I say lollygag, but they'll they'll sort of <laughs> lollygag. They'll sort of just uh, they'll sort of just bumble around until about Christmas, and then I think they'll turn it up in the second half. I absolutely love love that term lollygag. Um, <laughs> okay, finally, we'll I guess we'll wrap up on this. Heim Bloom is now uh, in charge of baseball operations for your. Boston Red Sox, Tommy. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of meaning in those statements. If anyone's ever listened to our old radio show, um, let me ask you this: because there's, there, you know, first of all, I think it's great that guys get opportunities, and and the Red Sox have been known. Um, you know, I saw Moneyball. They've been they've been known yeah. to go after um, guys who win a lot of games and spend one fourth the money because they like to make money too. And they don't have to if they don't have to spend two hundred million to win ninety something games, they'd be delighted. Um, that said, he goes to the American League East. Okay, that's probably not a good thing because he's got the special sauce recipe that the Rays had. But then he makes a crack during the press conference, and maybe it was about the the number of media that attended his press conference, and he's made some crack about attendance. This is this is more people than we've usually had in attendance, um, <laughs> to say the least. First of all, how much is this going to hurt the Rays? And then, and then, what, what do you what do you think of guys throwing shade at their former former uh, the, the organization that made them? So yeah, I mean, I, I know Hein Bloom a little bit, and I, I he probably didn't mean. I, I don't know. I don't think he meant to say it like he said it. Um, although <laughs> okay. I'm sure, look, he's not wrong. I mean, we look. I'm telling you, you know, and you what know, kind of, Joe, you could take the high road, couldn't you? I guess yeah. you could, but look, could like, you have to like go yeah, for the no, easy punchline? Well, you might as well you be know, the bad guy. Last time I checked, the Rays finished. Crowd, crowd notwithstanding, the last time I checked, the Rays finished ahead of the Red Sox. They the did. And then, wasn't there something? Carl Crawford, wasn't there some? Didn't something happen when he left and everybody was mad about Didn't Carl Crawford say something? Yeah, he said something stupid. Something, something. And look, the whole, Joe Madden basically said the same thing. I mean, when he left here, he's like, I get it. It's the, it's the punchline, right? right? It's the right. zinger. It's the, it's the, it's the easy. I don't know. Maybe he's trying, maybe he was doing his old buddies a favor. Maybe he's doing Stu a favor. Like, yeah, don't that's worry, true. Stu, I'll They're take care of this. Montreal. I'll get you, I got you. I'll get I got you to Montreal one. by by the end of next week. <laughs> don't worry about it. Um, but as far as it hurting the Rays, uh, I don't know. Like, we didn't, we say the same thing when, when Andrew Friedman left that we're like, yeah, Oh, we that's did. it. Joe no, Madden. You know, yeah. no one had ever heard of Eric Neander. No one, you know, Hein Bloom, Kev- like no one knew how to pronounce the names. Yeah. Right. Like everybody thought at the time, like, okay, that that's the end of the race. And they keep chugging along. I know that, you know, they're bringing in, essentially they're replacing them with like three guys. Three now, guys. Right? Yeah. Um, but there's no reason to believe that they can't keep this thing going. And Hein Bloom, um, up in Boston, yeah. I mean, look, I thought John Romano made a great point the other day that like Andrew Friedman, what he's done in L.A., he's been there, I think, five years now, I think they said, and over those five years, they've won a division every year. They've mm-hmm. been to two World Series. Uh, they had the best record in baseball since then, mm-hmm. and they've lowered their payroll 20% over that time. You know, So Not they bad. know how to do it and do it with less money. But um, – there's always going to be a difference between the Red Sox and the Rays. The Red Sox are always going to spend more money. I like where the Rays are right now. I, I think they have a really bright future. I think that um, – and I think, you know, Bloom. how much impact did he have? Well, clearly he had some, but I don't know. I'm not, are you worried about it? I mean, I think the bigger thing is he's going within the division, not that he's actually leaving the Rays. Yeah, that would, that would be the thing that would concern me. But let's face it, I mean, uh, you know – he was part of the brain trust that they got going down there, but they've got a culture and, 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 and they've, they've still got a pretty good GM and Eric Neander. So um, it's not like they, you know, they didn't, they didn't lose their number one guy. Um, they lost, you know, part of their front office. And, you know, if uh, it's not going to change what the Rays have to do, because, you know, and I, and I think that it's made it harder for the Rays, you know, because a lot of these teams, you saw them all go to shifts and you've seen them all, you know, they're going to steal whatever works. Um, but the Rays are just going to have to stay ahead of the curve, whether it's openers or uh, acquiring players like they did last year that other people spit at. I mean, they've they've done it better than anybody. So how about talk about openers? Everybody made fun of that, and it's and it's people are trying it in the World Series now. People are throwing relievers in the World Series. They're trying it, but you see what wins in the World Series and what wins in baseball still. Yeah, Garrett Cole and Justin. Yes, Burnham. exactly. <laughs> it's when you got a stud starter and go out there yeah. and just dominate for seven innings. I mean, that's still 
that's still and look, the Rays may have that if if Blake Snell comes back and he's healthy, if Tyra Glasnow starts and plays a whole season and they get one more squeeze, one more good year out of good old Charlie Morton, then you've got your three guys that can go seven every night, right? Yeah, and then eventually if you get guys like, you know, Brett Honeywell back and if sure. and I don't know what Brandon McKay if he's gonna turn into a big time starter or not, but Right. Um but they but got yeah, plenty of pitching, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So but I would I would have liked to have seen this year's playoffs with Blake Snell stretched out and oh, uh, yeah. Blake Snell from a year ago and Tyler Glasnow from the Tyler Glasnow we saw in April. I don't know that they beat the Astros, but, boy, I don't know that they did don't you, either. Did you, you know? go to the Trop for uh, game, uh, game, game three four. or four? Game I was four. there for game four. I was for there. Well, I thought it was – I I tell you Where what, were you? Time, Where were you sitting? sitting? Uh, right field. Right field about halfway up, way up. You know, you could send your boy a text once in a while. I didn't know you were at the game. I didn't know you were at the Where game. Where did you sit? I was I was actually had better seats. I spent more money. Of course you did. <laughs> See? You're I sitting sat. with Katie you're sitting next to Katie <laughs> no, Kirk. No, I was not with it is sweet. No. I was not with Katie Kirk. I, I think was, the last time I sat in the stands with you is uh this was years ago. <laughs> And we it went to see to and we went to see Earth, Wind, and Fire in a post game <laughs> yes. media conference. And you had one of the greatest lines ever, where Phil, Philip Bailey was thrown out the first pitch for Earth, Wind, and Fire. <laughs> I love Philip Bailey. I love you know Easy Lover with Phil Collins. Yeah, he's great. But he was thrown before the game, and we're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and and your line, you had the great line. Was like, tell you what, he didn't say it to him, but you said it to me, say Phil. If you haven't learned to throw a baseball in the first 52 years of your life, you're not going to learn in the next 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's a fact. Yeah. He made it he, the home plate, but he didn't, he didn't look he good. Was, he it. was great, though, in the uh Oh, in they the were great. But anyway, yeah. so where did you sit for the game? I was uh, I was behind the uh, – actually, the visiting dugouts uh, in that lower area somewhere, um, up a little ways. I mean, I wasn't on top of the dugout, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but it, there were great seats. And, boy – I had forgotten what that building sounds like when it's when it's alive, and if you were there, you were there game four. It was I that thought, with game three. and and Steve, you can weigh on this too because you've been to a lot of a lot of Rays games over the years. But I was, I tried Incredible. to, I was trying to think if I, I never experienced a more like a live trap for a baseball game. The only I went to the, I remember in two thousand eight, I was there when they clinched, um, when they clinched the division for the very first time, made the playoffs for the very first time. It was like a Saturday, I want to say. And yeah. it was great. Like they had, it was a great atmosphere. I wasn't there for game 162 when Longo hit the ball down in the corner. Um, so I don't. World I don't, Series, the, their first game at home in the World Series before the game started was electric. And then, of course, they got, you know, they got beat pretty good. Right. Um, but that, and I'm wondering too, like, you know, those players reacted, responded to it, obviously. The fans had a blast. I, mean, oh, I thought it was nothing... I, it was one of the more my I took my sons and my sons are huge Rays fans and I thought yeah I it took was, West too yeah boy I thought and they I thought they loved it it was the most fun that we've ever had at a sporting event together and it was um, agree <laughs> you know I just real quick before we go it reminded me of another great line we were just talking Roddy Page who works at the Tampa Bay Times and I were talking about this the other day about your other great line at the Trop was that years ago when they opened up at the Trop. And I think the week before the Bucks had lost, and there was a headline in the paper that said "Same old Bucks," mm-hmm. and and you of course took the brunt of the heat from the Bucks organization, even though you didn't write the headline. Um, and then the Rays come out on their very first game ever, and lose like thirteen to six or whatever. <laughs> and you turned to, you turned to Roddy Page as soon as the game was over, and you said "Same old Rays." <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, they were. Um, yeah, they, they, you know, we can't have nice things, Tom, as I always I say. I don't, I why know. can't we have nice things here in Tampa Bay? I know, because then they leave and go, because <laughs> they leave and go to Boston and become their GM. That's true. So, uh, what do you got on uh, pointer.org? How do we get your newsletter? Uh, yeah, just go to pointer, P O Y N T E R dot O R G. Sign up for the newsletter. You can find me there. The latest uh, media news and analysis each and every day. I uh, got a lot of cool stuff up there uh, every day. So, check it out. Um, yeah, go to pointer.org. Well, we'll look for you at the Bowtie Ball on Saturday, and Katie Couric doesn't have any idea what a great night she's going to have that's with you as her handler. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> so enjoy it. Be good. And thanks again for joining me, Tom. Appreciate it. Thanks, Rick. Man, that felt good. Just like old times, you know? Just as if, like, we were partners or something in, uh, in some broadcast endeavor. That was fun. It was good to have Tom on.
The Bucks are back at practice today. They are preparing for their game at Seattle. They'll be going out there on Friday. I'll be going out there on Friday. Everybody's going out there on Friday. We'll see what they can do uh, with the Seahawks, of course. And uh, Russell Wilson is having an MVP season. The Lightning, speaking of them, they take on the New Jersey Devils tonight in New Jersey as this road trip continues through uh, the greater state of New York, New Jersey. Uh, by the way, we're going to have Times Lightning beat writer Diana Neros on, on Friday's show. We look forward to that. And we've got tomorrow Matt Baker, our Times College football writer, to preview the Florida-Georgia game, the world's largest cocktail party in Jacksonville, which the NCAA no longer likes you to refer to, but that's exactly what it is. Huge game for Florida and Georgia. Probably the winner going to play in the SEC title game against either Alabama or LSU. So something to look forward to there. So lots coming up uh, this week, and we're glad that you guys were with us. We hope you enjoyed the show. We're here each and every week, Monday through Friday. For Steve Erstnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.